Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. My guest today has over 20 years of experience working for some of the largest tech companies in the world, such as Google and Microsoft. Throughout his career, he has always been passionate about innovation, startups, and most importantly, people. He is currently the managing director of startups for Microsoft, and last year he was tasked with building the division from scratch, including spearheading its expansion and innovation strategy with a vision to foster a collaborative startup ecosystem and to create a better, broader future for people around the world. He focuses on helping organizations adopt the innovation mindset and leverage the technology and nimbleness that startups provide and works directly with startup founders and encourages them to think differently and to be more curious. During this episode, we discuss how he is building and fostering a collaborative startup ecosystem. We take a deep dive into the importance of being people-focused in organizations, and we talk about being authentic, taking ownership of our paths, and developing a growth mindset in order to be successful. His ability to connect the dots between multiple stakeholders and bring people together have played a big role in his success. He is someone that has always believed that the greatest fulfillment comes from empowering others to achieve their goals. And the last message he wanted to share is to take ownership of your life and future, find your purpose, and build a to-be list, not a to-do list. Please welcome to the show the Managing Director of Microsoft for Startups, Mr. Roberto Croci. Thank you so much, Khaled. Very looking forward to the conversation. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. So Roberto, me and you actually found out about you a couple months ago in November when you were on the uh, that webinar that Ali hosted about podcasting in the Middle East. And you had some really interesting ideas about what the future of that looks like. And then obviously, as time has gone on, I've had Ali on the podcast. I've actually had Cheryl too. So now of course, we had to bring you on as well. And we also met at the HAD conferences. And I really love the way you speak about how you run your teams, how your perspective on the startups, how the importance of people and organizations. So, and I think especially now in 2021, it's people and everything to do with startups is so important since they're on the rise as well. So I thought it'd be amazing to uh, talk to you. But before we get into everything, Roberto, why don't you give all of us a little bit of background about yourself and we'll take it from there. Cool. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Khaled, and thank you for the introduction. Uh, I really, really appreciated that. Uh, so, well, on my side, uh, uh, starting from the end and going back on time, I'm currently uh, working at Microsoft. I'm leading the team uh, for, uh, you know, dealing with startups. So uh, I'm responsible for uh, everything startups under Microsoft here in the region, in the Middle East and Africa. So uh, we started uh, uh, to set this up uh, one year ago, more or less. Yeah, one year ago uh, with the COVID in the middle, which feels uh, two, three years ago. Uh, but yeah, we started recently. Uh, so I'm responsible to define the strategy, the building the team and, and then the partnerships and, and, and you know, uh, ensuring the execution and the alignment with the broader Microsoft organization. Uh, my background, so before that, I spent a long time here in this part of the world. Uh, it's about six, seven years, seven years uh, we are living here in, in Dubai, in the region. Um, I was with Google before for about uh, 10 years, um, la last six years in the region. So uh, I joined uh, back in 2009 when the company Google was about uh, 10,000 people. Uh, so was uh, in a hyper growth, uh, upper growth scale. And uh, uh, I joined as part of an acquisition. So that Google acquired a company called DoubleClick, okay. which was a media buying technology platform to buy media across different channels, even beyond Google owned and operated properties. Uh, it was a very smart acquisition. If you go back in time, it was done in 2008, <clears throat> was still early stage for, for uh, media buying uh, and uh, been responsible to develop business uh, for DoubleClick across Southern Europe, 
Eastern Europe, Middle Eastern Africa. And uh, it was an amazing ride. I mean, a lot of learnings, uh, uh, amazing experiences uh, uh, across across the region. And then when, when the business grew, we started setting up local teams in the different countries. So the focus uh, uh, moved for me into emerging markets to basically do the same, but uh, in, in a different uh, uh, geography in the world, uh, from Russia to South Africa and all what is in the middle, basically, especially Middle East, Middle East and Africa uh, as a focus. Um, so uh, th 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 that's been amazing. A uh, uh, lot of learnings, a lot of fun, a um, lot of experiences, you know, uh, really enjoyed that. Um, before that, I, I've been working myself in a startup, in the founding team. Uh, it was a multi-channel, uh, retail and e-commerce uh, in in the uh, design and furniture uh, industry. So uh, it was super exciting experience, uh, you know, launching something new that you own and you see, you know, the outcome of what you do every day. Definitely. So and, and the experience of launching something uh, of the retail e-commerce catalog, understand, uh, you know, the dynamics behind when you have the vision from the founding team and turn that into the strategy turned that into an operational model and then roll it out and then select the partners and, and, and move move things forward, right? Get things done. Um, so I'm very passionate about the entrepreneurial ecosystem with some old friends of school that co-founded a micro VC fund as well. So uh, looking into early stage international startups um, uh, with, with uh, specific uh, criteria. So really passionate about um, investing into uh, new ideas, into innovation. So that's that's a little bit about about myself and uh, 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 you know looking looking forward to uh, to discuss further if if there is any experience that you think are relevant for the audience. For sure, for sure, and thank you for sharing that with us. I really appreciate it. Um, I remember in our first conversation that me and you had, uh, we were talking about the transition that you had from Google to Microsoft and why you decided to make that change. You know, because uh, I think. The key thing was a culture shift and you're looking for, you know, a new opportunity as well after spending so many years at Google. And I know currently in your role, so you manage uh, the startups at Microsoft, you know, investing in startups and building an ecosystem for them. And I know you've worked across multiple countries. So I was starting to think, given your given the experience that you've had, does does the startup culture and mindset differ across different cultures and societies? Or does, is there, you know, in some societies, a startup something that is encouraged and in others is still seen maybe not as, it's probably still not the right time for them. Uh, what, what has been your experience through that? I'm curious. No, look, it's, it's, it's a great question. Uh, it's a great question because it touches upon one of the things that is uh, probably the key driver of, of transformation, which is culture. Uh, so starting from, from the first part of your questions, yes, when I transitioned uh, uh, from Google to Microsoft, I was uh, eager to, curious, I would say, to, to learn about uh, uh, this cultural transformation happening at Microsoft, right? So there were a lot of articles, uh, Satya Nadella wrote a book about uh, hit refresh. Uh, but one thing is when you, you see things from outside, one thing is when you have the opportunity to live from, from inside and actually expose yourself, stretch yourself and see uh, from within. Uh, what, what it really takes to change a culture because um, Google is relatively new, newer, younger as a company, right? So uh, while Microsoft was there since longer time and probably it got to a point in time in history where there was a, a less appeal towards the brand while more recently in the last few years, 
Satya has been able to revive that appeal and give more energy uh, to people. And it all started from a cultural transformation. So culture is key because culture determines behaviors. With those behaviors, you implement systems and processes within the organization where people follow, right? Because at the end of the day, uh, it's all about people and, and how people are motivated by what they do, uh, how people put their discretionary effort into what they do, which comes from great leaders, great uh, uh, managers that believe in that culture and, and are able to inspire uh, others in following. So, uh, so culture is key. There is this uh, famous quote uh, of culture, it's strategy for breakfast, right? So every, every now and then, now you go to conferences, events, everybody is repeating that. But what does that really mean is, is definitely that uh, it's not just the hardware of an organization, uh, you know, the processes, the, the, the hardcore, it's also the software, right? And the software comes from implementing a culture that is a culture of, uh, we call it at Microsoft, we call it a culture of growth mindset. So, yeah. uh, you know, uh, uh, believing that uh, everybody, every single person has potential that can be nurtured. Uh, and being insatiably curious and leaning into uncertainty, taking risks, uh, you know, building on top of each other's and so on and so forth. But again, it all boils down to behaviors, to leaders that from the top really live by those behaviors, by those values, and, and really embodies th those behaviors. And then you take the organization to, to, to follow, right? Uh, to you Because you inspire people. Uh, again, it's the secret is all about... Uh, uh, this human side of leadership, which is connecting with people uh, around a, a larger purpose, a larger cause, uh, and and having people, you know, contributing around that. That so um, so this is this is it. So to your question, then the second part is uh, startups. Uh, how this relate to different societies, and if this relates, I would say yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because again. Uh, startup is, is uh, you know, culture doesn't matter the, the size of the organization. Of course, with size come different uh, responsibilities, different um, challenges and different opportunities at the same time. But uh, culture is, is, is something that uh, uh, you as a founder, you should nurture from day one, even if it's just yourself, it's your culture, right? But the moment you start hiring people is culture, is how uh, these people should behave, what values uh, you are pursuing as, as a founder and with your startups. Now, different societies have different uh, approaches, different set of beliefs or traditions or culture. And so I would say, yes, it matters. For example, in this part of the world, usually what you see is that there is a little bit more risk adversity than other ecosystems and other regions. Um, so the, the leap of faith or the, you know, the jump uh, when you know when you're Indiana Jones and you are on the cliff and uh, you need to jump and you know that jump is is more difficult because you have your partners that are pulling you in with the rope and you don't do it right or because it's a bit of a cultural thing so you see it also from the investor side of things not just the founder side of things you have more availability of uh, venture capital that are focusing towards later stage in this part of the world today because well uh, it's it's a it's still risky as an investment, but it's less risky than you know putting money into early stage startups. Yeah. Uh, 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 so uh, it's it's the cultural uh, and the society definitely uh, influence as well. Uh, you know uh, this attitude towards risk, this attitude to attitude towards entrepreneurship, attitude towards uncertainty, 
uh, and there are cultural elements that are there intrinsic in the society uh, that are difficult to eradicate sometimes. But it all starts, I would say, with, with awareness, right? Because there are, at the same time, there are uh, uh, founders in the region that have been successful, that have been able to uh, find their way through, that have been learning by doing what it takes to get there, what it takes to build a successful startup, what it takes to get to an exit, what it takes to you know, uh, survive or live with the ups and downs of, of the journey, right? So yeah. um, it starts with the awareness of understanding where, where the friction comes from, where the differences are, being open to the differences and, and being open to feedback and, and build on that. Yeah. And I think something you said that I didn't uh, I didn't consider was not just on the on the startup side, but also on the on from an investor's perspective that they all there's also cultural things that affect how an investor would look at a project. And like you said, a lot of investors here are looking for later stage because it's a more proven model. You have more of a track record. So there is like you said, there is less risk, but there's a better chance potentially of success. But I think you said I think the key point is there is intrinsic differences in each culture in terms of the mindset. And that is not something you can eradicate. But like you said, there have been success stories in the region. So it's about finding a way to take that intrinsic value and build on top of it to create something that works for you and will work for your business. And on the point about people, because I know from listening to your talks, how much like how important like you put a lot of value on people and the importance of people and so on. And. I was re uh, reading the article uh, that you were featured on in Khalish Times and you said there was a couple of things that would be a big change this year uh, in terms of like how startups moving forward, which was focusing on the basics, making sure the models, you know, taking care of the essential business stuff and, you know, switching from growth to profitability. But one thing that you said was the importance of people and teams. And I thought that was interesting. So why do you think now is that have, has that become so important and were we lacking or, or giving enough value or importance to that in the past? Um, honestly, I think it has always been important. Uh, I mean, um, it has always been uh, uh, important. Uh, the thing is um, now, you know, new generations are, uh, for example, more connected to, uh, more inspired by values, uh, by a social impact, by having a cause, for which to uh, put the effort and then for which it's worthwhile uh, doing something, right? So uh, especially when we talk about the millennials, generation Z, X, I've lost the, the, the alpha now, I mean, all the letters, but the youngers uh, uh, is, expect now that the brands, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, have these values. And if they don't have these values, uh, with all the the buzz and the the, the word of mouth that they can create uh, all of a sudden on social media plus uh, you know the the awareness that is now there uh, around uh, uh, different uh, uh, you know uh, uh, challenges that we face as humanity from environment to racism to many other things um, so uh, there is there is more of a push from the younger generations to uh, to brands and to whoever is building something that that something should come with a meaning with with a, a cause that is inspiring to follow that is worthwhile for humanity to focus the time and the effort on right so I guess uh, the importance of people I think uh, is straightforward it has always been there uh, and it's it's a no-brainer in every single geography is uh, no matter of what culture society you have 
people is what determines the success of things because the way you collaborate with others, you build on top of others, you share ideas, you, you know, you need the people for doing that. I've yeah. been working in tech companies and it is all, all, almost all the time, it's, it has never been around tech itself. You know, you can always find workarounds, you can find ways to patch technology into, you know, processes that can work. I mean, that's not a, a big deal. The, the big deal is uh, how people uh, come together, come together and they work in the same direction because they're inspired, that they have clarity of purpose, that they have an informal communication that, you know, get things done. They keep the, the, the how to say, the blame and then they pass the credit to someone else, right? Because it's, it's, it's the, the, they know how to work uh, together, right? So when that alchemy, uh, uh, when you have that alchemy, then the, the real thing, uh, uh, you can achieve almost whatever you have in your mind because it's the power of people coming together uh, is, is just uh, uh, awesome, right? Is, is what makes the difference. Uh, now, what's different in these days is what I see is that the new generations are really pushing the boundaries, are really setting the bar higher when it comes to um, building with purpose, building uh, with a mission, uh, building uh, with sustainability in mind, being, building for the long term. Um, it's not just about making money in the short term. It's not just about uh, building a profitable business. It has to be sustainable. It has to have impact. It has to have this and that, right? So I believe that the push uh, uh, is coming organically uh, from uh, the new generations. Uh, and... Uh, um, uh, and 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 this is this is it. Yeah, and I think that's a. I think you made a very good point that nowadays there is a lot of push for a company having a social impact or a brand having a, a bigger cause. And like you said, it's yes, obviously you want to have a profitable business. Everyone does, but there's a the vision and the mission of that company or the impact that they're trying to make. That is what draws you know draws people into and buys into your vision and so on. And like you said, I think. People are the are so important. Like people is what make a business successful or not. You can have the best strategy, you can have all the money in the world, but you don't have the people who believe in the vision, who can produce what they need to for you to be for the company to be successful. Then, at the end of the day, you you'll always lose. So that's why I totally agree with you that people are so important. And like you said, I think nowadays with the younger generation and the, our generation and so on, there is a much bigger push and there's a bigger awareness about people and so on. So on that point, on people. Uh, I read once that usually with startups, usually your first couple of hires are not going to be the right ones. So because you don't know because you don't know better and you're starting out and you're building and that might, person might share your vision, but maybe in the long term, they're not they're not the right fit for you. So what advice do you have when you're working with startups in term when it comes to like hiring people and so on? Since at the beginning, usually we not many people know what's going on. Yeah, look, uh, um it's a great question because you see, uh, if you look at uh, uh, globally the, the uh, failures in VC portfolios, still, if I'm not mistaken, there was this research, 65 to 70% is, is mainly due to people-related issues, uh, okay. of, which, uh, of which hiring is, is one of those, right? If you, if you hire people that are not uh, you know, going to be a fit for what you're doing, that don't believe, that don't buy into what you're doing, that don't embrace the, 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 the vision, the, the purpose that you have, it's not going to fly, right? So, uh, so it's, it's really important. So I would say, uh, 
uh, I would uh, I would say first of all um, it's 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 there is no uh, right or wrong answer because it it all boils down to what you are trying to achieve and so on and so forth. But for example, sometimes uh, founders hire too fast because they are panicking. They say, "Oh, I'm doing so many things at the same time, and I need to fundraise, and I need to focus on this and that, and I need to have the people coming on board." And they get stressed and they want to hire fast, but. Uh, um, uh, Actually, you know, if you hire fast but you hire wrong, you know, it, it, it's difficult. It's difficult because then uh, we talked about creating the culture, and you create the culture by also who you are, and uh, you know, the the decision on who you are uh, determines also the culture that you're going to set into your uh, your company. So, actually, the first hires, uh, it sh you shouldn't miss the first hires. It's, it's the most important people that you are taking on board into into your company. So you cannot afford that. Now, easy to say, right? So the way I would look at it, first of all, uh, you should anticipate things as much as possible, meaning that you shouldn't uh, be in a hurry uh, to hire. Um, so this is this is one thing. The other thing is looking for people that can add to the culture, not just fit into the culture, but add, uh, add to the culture. So people that come in with um, uh, definitely uh, uh, understanding, uh, uh, you know, your vision and the, the motivation comes also from the purpose that you have. So they embrace the same purpose or they share the same values, but also people that uh, with whom you can bring in diversity of uh, thinking. So uh, people that can challenge you yourself as a founder, because uh, sometimes you might fall in love with your idea uh, as a founder and you're not going to listen to anyone else, right? And that's on one angle, the good side of it is called resilience, so perseverance. So you really believe hard in what you're doing and you go on and on and you accept, uh, you know, the downs of the journey. But on the other side, the, the, the negative side of it is that you are not listening to feedbacks and you, you don't surround yourself with people that challenge that to, uh, you know, make it something... Uh, uh, more meaningful or, uh, you know, to make you aware of uh, something that you're not going in the, in the right direction. So people that uh, come with the attitude of uh, challenging, of asking questions, the right questions, and then people, but, but also getting things done, right? Because at the end of the day, you need to move ahead as a startup. So it's, it's, it's mainly about attitude uh, more than uh, uh, skills or experience or, you know, you, you know, what you really know, because what you really know, uh, you know, in a more, in an increasingly complex world, uh, in, a, in a more uncertain world, there is no one single person that can um, know everything today, right? So the pace of technology, uh, even within this company, even within Microsoft, uh, is there anyone who would know what Microsoft is doing at large in all single business division and is up to date with, you know, it's, it's increasingly difficult. So, but people that have the right attitude can navigate mm. these situations navigate uncertainty because they have this belief set that guide them they are inspired by this purpose of course your job as a founder is to bring that clarity but you need people that are able to adapt that are flexible that get things done that challenge the status quo that keep the communication really informal like like we would do at the coffee machine i always use this example because it, it resonates to me is when you're at the coffee machine with a colleague uh, well now you're working remotely so virtual coffee machine um, you, you, you open up, right, and you, you, you get, 
you know this this informal way of communicating that is crappy uh that you say uh, you agree on things and then you you know you get it uh right and uh, you know that that kind of feeling that kind of spirit you, you need to get people that that buy into that that have that in their dna that have that in their uh, in their style in their communication um so uh again uh you know the domain field you can always learn um, I know great founders that have been, uh, you know, uh, they started building uh, their venture in, I don't know, fintech, for example, and they had no financial background, but mm -hmm. their startups are extremely successful. So I would say, of course, it might help because, uh, you know, maybe because of that, you get an idea in that field, right? So I'm not yeah. saying, but uh, diversity and inclusion is really important. Uh, diversity and inclusion is really important because it goes beyond the usual conversation about gender. If you bring together a team that is diverse, it's proven, it's a proven fact that a diverse team is able to uh, add much better business results because you bring together people that have different backgrounds, different experiences, different way of thinking. Now, the job is to bring together people that can work together as a team, again, um, that maybe they are fiercely independent, but they are able to work together as a team because they understand that only as a team they can achieve success. Again, you keep the blame and you pass the credit and, and all together we win, right? So that, that's, the, that's the spirit that's approach. So, but diversity, so in, in embedding diversity into your hiring system is also key, especially now that uh, you've seen with the COVID, uh, this has accelerated the trend of, you can reach out to talent almost everywhere in the world, right? So if you need someone uh, that has experience and is the right fit, it doesn't have to necessarily be physically with you. Uh, as long as, of course, uh, again, there is a fit and the, you know, the whole thing works, but you can tap into a pool of talent that is global where you can really bring in diversity of backgrounds, experiences, points of view that is going to enrich uh, what you're doing, is going to enrich your team, uh, and is going to build a more sustainable business at the end of the day because there is always perspective, there is always a sort of a bias, uh, you know, intrinsic in uh, how uh, startups or organization, uh, I mean, more established organization, wire their teams, right? Because, um, and that's dangerous because now with, uh, with the pace at which technology is developing, if that bias is embedded into the products in the technology and scale, that you're scaling the bias, and 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 that could could have uh, damage or could could have collateral effects or, or really bad effects because um, uh, you're not building for everyone, uh, right? So you're building uh, with with very biased solutions that then uh, uh, can create uh, really serious issues down the line in when when you deliver those to to, to the customers or to the users. So. Uh, so for me to recap is is the attitude, is is the timing, is um, you know uh, hiring people that can add to the culture, that have the right communication style, that are uh, you know diverse uh, uh, in in what you need to complement each other to build something stronger. Yeah, and I think so many good points that you touched on there. Uh, first of all, I loved how you said because I didn't think about this before about that. If you with with a lack of diversity and inclusion, you a bias could be developed, and that could run through the people, through the company, through the products. And I never thought of that. So having so many different perspectives around you helps you to mitigate the risk against creating a bias like that. Number one, and number two, like you said, I think attitude, like correct, you can learn a skill can be learned, a technical skill can be learned, but 
the soft skills, the attitude, your mindset, that's a very personal thing. I think those can be developed too, but I think those are harder to develop given, you know, your experience, your background, the way you grew up and so on. So it's not it's not as easy to change, at least quickly. Skill, I think, but technical skills and so on could be developed at a much faster rate. Um, and so I know, so on that point and building, like you've mentioned a couple of times, the importance of uh, collaboration and having all these different people kind of work together as well and collaborate and so on. So I know with Microsoft, you guys are trying to create an ecosystem for startups to come together and to collaborate and to work and to share ideas and, you know, to grow to grow this kind of like incubator that uh, I believe you guys are doing. So I was, try I was trying, trying to think, what is like, what in your opinion, Roberto, is like the foundation or the key pillars that need to be in place to create a collaborative environment? to give people the opportunity and the platform and the space to environment to collaborate and work together and so on. Yeah, I think there are there are a few uh, a few key pillars. So um, um, so definitely it, it, it's about uh, giving more than taking at, at the beginning to start with. Um, so the uh, sometimes uh, you know, uh, sometimes you you look at things uh, uh, in terms of how how I can monetize this or how I can make money out of this, which of course uh, uh, is 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 something that as a business uh, you need to be profitable, you need to make money, and 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 nobody would uh, would work for the sake of of working. But if you if you ask me what it takes to build a collaborative ecosystem or an ecosystem, it's it's also about uh, giving 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 back for whoever has something to give back but also giving giving because people uh you know people need that people need to have conversations where uh from the very simplest uh, uh, action of uh, uh creating this positive reinforcement of things that gives energy right so that that helps to achieve things that you wouldn't be able to imagine when you started right so you need that positive reinforcement so you need people around you that appreciate what you're doing, that are giving just a simple message of gratitude or a feedback. Then, but you also need people and, and organizations and, and players that are around you that are not just there with the interest of what I can get uh, from these guys, you know, but what I can yeah. do to them in order for them to grow, establish, and then maybe, you know, they become also a customer in the long term, but I developed a partnership because I helped them in the beginning. So you need you need that to ignite the ecosystem. You need local connectedness, you need global connectedness in order for people to come together, share experiences, build on top of each other, have abundance of ideas generated, abundance of connections generated. Because if you don't have abundance, imagine the, the usual funnel. Uh, the funnel starts uh, uh, wider, right, and then uh, uh, converge. If you, if here it's not wide, but it's stretched, then you know it's 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 a necessary uh, sort of thing. So that's pretty straightforward. So I would say it definitely requires uh, uh, an attitude of of giving. Uh, it also requires uh, you know uh, uh, this mindset of building on top of each other. So uh, not really necessarily reinventing the wheel. Uh, all the time on things that have been uh, done already uh, over and over. But if someone has been proven to do something uh, successful and you can build on top of that, why not? That's also innovation. Innovation uh, doesn't have to be all the time breakthrough. Actually, uh, you know, uh, not many people are able to come with a breakthrough innovation, right? So incremental innovation is also extremely important. 
think about all the corporates that are around in the world. So usually we talk about them as if they are the elephants or dinosaurs in the room, right? So because they are moving slowly, they create this alignment on their core business. They don't see the future coming as fast or in an agile way as startups can do. But still, if you think about it, they have the customers and they are the customers and they have customers. And they sit on a reserve of cash that is higher than all what venture capital have globally. So if only they would deploy this cash in a different way, mm. you know, they, they, can, they can also help in the ecosystem. So uh, an ecosystem uh, comes when, uh, you know, the players come together to build on top of each other because uh, corporates need startups for in their innovation journey. As long as startups need corporates in there because they need to sell to corporates as well if they have enterprise solutions, for example. So... It comes together as, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the collaborative uh, uh, comes from, from, from these dynamics, right? Another dynamic that is, is important to build a collaborative ecosystem, I would say, is this concept of uh, psychological safety, um, which, is, which is, you can, you can you, you would say this could apply to building a team as well as building a, a sort of an ecosystem, right? So, in a team, when you build the psychological safety, it means that you enable the people in your organization, the people in your team, to come with their own self, to not being worried about who they are, because in fact, they can be who they are and still their opinion counts. So they have this environment where they feel safe to share their feedback, even if it's a disagreement, right? So, but there is a conversation that's happening, there is a, a respect. Uh, across uh, as human beings happening and so on and so forth. So uh, there was this research done by, by Google. I remember when uh, uh, they analyzed uh, um, a lot of data uh, to identify what are the top reasons why uh, uh, certain teams are so successful and other teams fail, um, even within the same organization. And they came out with this rank of, of reasons. And number one was psychological safety. Uh, is, okay. is really, this is the job of the leader first to set the environment, to set the scene, to set the tone, which comes again from the culture. We discussed this before, but it's, it's, it's the job of the leader to basically uh, have that empathy and that attitude to, you know, create that environment, even in a remote distribution of work, as it's probably happening more and more today with people working from home or remotely. Uh, which probably makes it a bit more difficult, but still doable in terms of creating that that feeling, that environment that you feel like home, right? Um, at the same time, there needs to be, that doesn't mean that it's all flowers and roses and it's all peace and love, right? So uh, there, there needs to be a positive tension as well. And because if there is no positive tension, uh, disagreement doesn't happen, um, uh, you don't have this friction across maybe two different things. It could be two systems, two disciplines, two whatever, where where the the, the juice of innovation sometimes uh, comes from, right? So you need to have that positive tension also to have people, uh, you know, manage their performances and 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 and, and get uh, you know incredible results. So, but again, it has to be positive tension. Uh, you know, mm. it doesn't have only tensions, and it has to happen in a safe environment where people uh, are really able to be who they are and bring their own self to work because then they would uh, they would perform even better um, 
So these are some, some thoughts, some ideas on the dynamics that could contribute. Then I'm sure there are, it's very complex when you're talking about an ecosystem because you, know, you have many players involved uh, and, and there are a lot of variables that you don't control at the end of the day, because imagine the startup ecosystem, you have government, academia, corporates, startups, you have uh, uh, tech vendors, you have accelerators, incubators, you have community hubs, you know, and, and you, there is no one single entity that owns the other, right? So it's, but, but again, by having those people coming together, giving with the attitude of giving more than taking and building on top of each other and having this growth mindset and building psychological safety and sharing things and don't reinvent the wheel and listening to others and giving feedback and so on and so forth, right? So the, the sum of all behaviors can, can create a really wealthy, dynamic uh, and connected ecosystem. Yeah, and I think that's such a crucial point that I didn't consider before and I think sometimes is missing is the concept of giving, you know, not, not don't have the intention to take now, like you said, in the future, if this company is successful, they could become a future customer and you could develop a partnership with them since you already helped them. So it's more, it's almost like switching to long-term value. Let me give now and let's create, like you said, I love what you said, an abundance of ideas and create an abundance of resources for this ecosystem to be successful, for this ecosystem to grow, for these startups to become successful. And the point you made about psychological safety i think that's so important to be able to come to work you know just as yourself not you have to put on you know a mask that puts a, pretend you don't have a bad day a good day whatever it might be but also like i said it's not all flowers and rainbows there needs to be some tension because that's where ideas come from that's when you're challenged that's how you grow that's how the people around you grow as well so on that point of culture because in my experience so i've worked uh, in corporates and in the startups and the environments that both environments are completely different in terms of the the rules and the mindset and uh, maybe in a corporate environment i couldn't go speak to the vice president of x you know it would be very strange for me to do that but in a startup you know i'm sitting and the ceo is sitting right across from me so the cultures are very very different so i know you like you said you had uh you did have a startup before and but most of your career you've been working in the corporate world so how now when you're working with startups do you kind of merge the two together great point uh yeah uh i've been lucky honestly to work in corporates where the culture uh, allowed me you know to reach out to people in positions that in, in a legacy corporation you you wouldn't uh, it, it's not that reachable right so we had uh, from skip level meetings uh, uh, you know to managers that uh, encouraged you to reach out to people senior to them right so but it all started as well uh, i remember google in the early days when i joined it was really about uh, hiring smarter than you and 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 not being afraid of if someone was mad at you because at the end of the day you know um, you you should delegate your weaknesses uh, right so uh, the the positive sum of that in an organization is is just wonderful multiplies the the impact you can have so but the, again these are few probably I've been privileged I know it's it's few selected companies that uh, even 10 15 years ago they starting having this sort of mindset and culture. The, the general the general experience is what you were saying is that you are in a legacy, let's call it legacy corporation, but in a corporation that uh, you know didn't have the same culture, and uh, by the way uh, you know you your performance management uh, process or dealing with people or uh, you know whatever, uh, it, it was not that easy. So how to merge this with uh, with the, with the startups? So I guess I guess there are a lot of learnings there. Um, first of all. 
Um, you, I would say, this would apply always all the time. You need to be player, not victim. That means uh, you don't have to wait for the organization to implement something because sometimes things can also be created bottom up. Um, so uh, especially if you do that by respecting others, right? Which, which of course, it's one of the key values is, is respecting others. So without, uh, you know, going and uh, disrupting as a rebel, a revolution against, uh, you know, all, all other people in the organization. But I would say, um, uh, you know, coming, coming with an approach of uh, uh, in, in, for the variables that you can control, being proactive in you determining your own luck, you determining your own, creating your space where you can thrive. And, and this is up to you, your character. You, you go for it. So nobody is going to come to you and say, hey, dear Khaled, I want to invest in your education and I, I really care about you. I invest on you and uh, I suggest you this course you should take tomorrow, this experience you should be doing tomorrow. No, nobody will come to you and, and tell you that, right? So you should be proactive about investing in yourself before anyone else, mm -hmm. before even expecting that your organization is setting these corporate trainings that are part of your career development, right? So don't wait for that. Uh, why would you be waiting for that? So today you can reach out to people in meaningful way across different channels and have experiences that can help you move ahead in many different things uh, that are touching on your career progression, on your personal development, just beyond the career as well, on who you are as a human being. It's like having this to-be list instead of to-do list. Who is, 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 is start searching within yourself who you are now uh, trying to reduce the unknowns, known unknowns, you know, this Johari matrix where people know about yourself, don't know. And then so reduce that as much as possible. So getting feedback, understand the gaps towards where you want to be and work on those gaps because it's either, you know, going through some experiences that are meaningful for that, going through some trainings, exposing yourself to diversity of the conversations and so on and so forth. So I would say, first of all, I would say I, would, I wouldn't leave it to the system or to someone else to manage that. Mm. It's it's up with you, with yourself. If you don't inspire yourself, if you don't invest in yourself, why should I? Uh, so so that it start it starts there. That said, back to your point, I guess there are a lot of things that both entities can teach one and one to the other, startups to corporates sure. and corporate startups. Because uh, the reality is, yes, uh, let's start from the startups. We, we all uh, find startups exciting, right? Because they are trying to come with something new and that's exciting. They're trying to revolutionize the world, make an impact on the life of millions of people, find something really cool uh, and, and they get things done. So it's exciting by definition in a way, right? Um, but are they able, for example, to uh, grow and it, almost all the times come a point where maybe the founders themselves might not the right fit to be the ones that will be leading the next phase for the startup to really grow and scale because they have not been through it, never. They don't know what it takes to build larger teams, what it takes to keep that culture, what it takes to build the processes, what it takes to scale. So learning that from corporates that did that in the past, even if now they're stuck probably in what they're doing or they're just fine with what they're doing because they make still a lot of money from the core business. It's, it's a great learning for startups. Um, so the other way around is true as well. So for a corporate being in touch with a startup, given that they are 
finding it increasingly more difficult to do innovation and, and to uh, launch new initiatives, new projects, new things, because they created an alignment around the core business, which prevents them to most of the times to, uh, to do something on the side that is going to be funded and sustainable in the long term, because usually when then when things go wrong, the first things that the organization cut is uh, probably budgets for those kind of side initiatives uh, or marketing or other stuff. So, so I would say there are learnings in, in both ways. Uh, so the way I would look at it is, again, with a growth mindset is me as a founder of a startup, I, I want to learn from corporates what it takes to manage a business that is consolidated to scale a business and to get to a phase where you need to manage larger teams, processes, you need to set expectations in a different way. You need to probably uh, communicate also in a different way. You need to add more governance and so on and so forth. But me as a corporate, yes, I would love to learn from startups, you know, how they're looking at problem that, uh, you know, I am a bank, I have all the customers and you're coming telling me how I should disrupt the customer experience. I should know, right? Because I have a lot of data about the customers and why. So I want to learn where this is innovation is coming from, what is behind it. So it's, 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 a, it's a convergence of uh, two different approaches, two different maturity stages, two different everything, but they, they can get learnings one to the other. And usually we always tell to corporates that they should learn from startups. And I don't hear very often telling to startups that they should also learn from corporates because there are a lot of key learnings for them as well. And you see a lot of startups that get to a stage where the founders are not adequate to manage the transition when they start scaling and growing and they fail there just because they didn't ask the necessary support or they didn't think through it carefully how they should manage the next uh, uh, phase of uh, growth for their, uh, for their own business. That is a point I've actually never considered because I would assume, you know, if, if you look at all the big startups, they start off with one person and in a lot of the big success stories, that person has kind of ran through the whole thing. So naturally, in my mind, I always believe that if I had a startup, I start and I will be the one spearheading it from here to scaling and growing. But I think you made a very good point that sometimes those people, you might get to a certain point, but you need different expertise or a different person to actually scale the company to the next stage. And that's something I never considered before. So I think that's really interesting. And also what you said, I think there's no perfect, there's no perfect environment. It just doesn't exist. I think, and like you correctly said, we can both learn from each other. Uh, and you made a good point that a lot of the times it is uh, corporates saying to learn from startups, but it's rarely the other way around. But like you correctly said, to get to, like corporates are the ones that are established. They have the systems, they have the knowledge, they have the resources, they have the expertise. So there's a lot you can learn from both sides. And on the point of personal growth and development, I remember I had someone on the podcast and we were talking about culture. And like you said earlier in the conversation, like it starts from the top down for a company. You know, the, the culture of the company is set from the founder and it runs through the company. But also, like you correctly said, work on yourself, develop yourself, and you you don't have to change the whole organization, but you can change maybe the culture in your team, maybe in the culture, your direct reports. So you don't necessarily have to change everything, but if you can change the people around you and inspire them and create that environment that you'd want to create in the overall organization, that's already a great start. No, no. in fact, on this point, uh, even in a company like Google, for example, there were teams that were performing really well, and the culture in the team and the vibe, it was awesome. And there were teams that were managed uh, differently for different reasons, and it was not the same thing. So even in the same organization, uh, it, that's why I'm saying, ultimately, it's up to you all the time. Uh, because you know there are variables you can control, 
and and you are responsible for that and you need to be proactive for that and you need to be a player for that there are definitely variables you cannot control especially in big organizations the politics behind the dynamics that create at certain point you cannot control everything and and there is always uh, someone smarter than you and there is always someone uh, you know uh, with uh, with connections more than you and and so on and so forth so those variables that you cannot control well ultimately fair enough i mean it's it's not uh, it's not something you need to be stressed about but what you can control yes what you can control is it's you no one else it's no one else that is giving you a plate with all the dinner and everything is served right so you need to go for it but uh, usually it comes a moment in life where it's either some experiences you got exposure to some people that that were able to that you really get it you really get that point you really get hey now i go for it because i am you get you get you assume the ownership and mm-hmm. you get the confidence and you go for it right so but you you need to do that early on because uh, at the end of the day nobody is going to manage that for you uh, so if you if you don't start doing it yourself, nobody nobody will again will will do that for you. It's 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 you yourself building your support network. It's you yourself, uh, you know, going inside yourself to search who you are and who you want to be, and and build a plan for that, which could take different directions. You know, uh, it doesn't have to be the linear path that. Uh, I come from a family where my my father was an entrepreneur, and and as my mother and my father were working together they were assuming that uh, that was really hard and they were coming out of the world war ii so they had all this background so it was very different so it was really tough so they they for for their children they were saying for their sons they were saying oh you should study you should get a certificate because that will give you you know a a full-time job and you will be you know you will be okay for all the rest of your life and now look at the world today i mean that doesn't exist even anymore right so uh, and, and, and probably it's not the right, uh, the right approach. Of course, they were doing it with a good intention. But what I'm saying is you, you, you really need to, uh, to build yourself, uh, your, your support network and be proactive about that because people forget, tend to forget about that uh, and they wait things to happen. They follow this linear path that was designed for them by someone else. But when they realize that it's too late, then they have this regret because it's, it's, it's not... It's never too late, but maybe sometimes it's late, right? So you 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 realize too far in in your journey that maybe your passion, your purpose was on a different road. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. Uh, like you know, as they always say, hindsight is always twenty twenty. You always look back and be like, oh, if I knew what I knew now back then, oh, this would have never happened. I would have done things differently. And also on the point that you mentioned about taking ownership and responsibility for what you can control. I know for me personally in my life. Once I decided to take full ownership for myself, that's when my entire life changed. That's when I really focused on my personal development and growth. That's why I am who I am now. But it all started with that. Taking responsibility for what you can uh, can control and not worrying about what's outside. And I read a quote recently by uh, a guy called Seth Godin, and he said something that I didn't consider before, which was you can't. People think the output is the result, but it's actually the process that's the result because he said you can control the process and your effort and what you do, but you can't control what outcome that's going to give you. So it's shifting that mindset from being uh, result focused to being process focused and just working on yourself. So I totally resonate with what you said. No, he, he is brilliant. Seth Godin is, is brilliant. So the quote is fantastic. The way I see it is the outcome is a consequence of 
the conditions and the journey that you build yourself. So you can influence the journey, right? So you you can build your own luck in a way. So uh, um, yeah, the focus should be on building that journey, that process, but also enjoying it because like everything in life, it's it's not probably the 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 final thing that that gives you the satisfaction. Is is the process, the journey. Meanwhile, you're doing it. That is the thing you're going to miss the most, right? So you also have, you need to have fun. Um, in fact, whenever I enter, when I was uh, before, in my, when when you go and visit the clients, and you immediately get the feeling people are smiling. Uh, you get that feeling when you enter in, into an environment, right? So that counts. That really counts. Uh, so um, uh, that that that's that's beautiful because you can get immediately your uh, you know your auditor assessment. Hey, this environment, uh, there's something wrong, or hey, no, this environment is super cool. People here, uh, you know, they're smiling. They they are really collaborative. You 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 get that feeling, and that feeling it's 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 in you. You you cannot do. I mean, it's easy to. It's it's a tool that you have actually to to measure around uh, you know how people are doing, our organizations are doing. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. I I can definitely say when I've had potential meetings with like customers and clients, there's some that you meet them that are very maybe they're quite serious, and you're like, okay, this is going to be have to be quite professional. But the others are a bit more lighthearted. You just have it just seems to have a better conversation. There's a better energy and connection between the two of you. And usually, in my experience, when you have that kind of connection with someone, it usually produces better results. Uh, anyway, I wanted to uh, come back. Uh, Roberto to a crucial point that I think that I wanted to learn more about which is you always I know with companies you try to develop uh, and we touched on it briefly before an innovation mindset and innovation strategy and to think different and be more curious now how I I think a lot of times people say like even with that statement it's like thinking outside the box but the question I have is how do I begin to train myself to start thinking outside the box yeah, so there is this um, there is this theory. I would start there, but I want to be very practical. But there is this theory from Edward de Bono about the rivers of thinking. I don't know if you ever heard ever heard about that. Yeah, the river of thinking. Basically, uh, it's it's this uh, theory from Edward de Bono um, that uh, basically he visualizes how people think, right? And it says it's all based on your past experience. Past experience that includes your background, your education, where you come from, what you've been exposed to. And that, that, that experience with time creates these rivers in your thinking. So the water flows in these rivers, but it doesn't flow elsewhere, right? It's in the rivers. So the question is how you can expand beyond this river of thinking, because as we were saying before, uh, you cannot solve a problem with the same level of thinking that created it. Uh, you need sometimes to come with a totally different approach. You need to see, look at the same thing probably from different angles. You need to uh, bring in something different to come up with a solution, right? So uh, sometimes you really get stuck because, because it's just the way you have been wired with your thinking. So the, 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 the way, I mean, I don't have a, you know, a perfect answer, but in my experience, what helps is, uh, first of all, is uh, uh, the, the process itself. So, um, Sometimes people tell, tell you that they don't have time, so uh, they need to make a decision and they need to read just two lines and, you know, because they need to, but they cut the first part of the process that should be allowing for some divergence. That means instead of turning ideas down, uh, you should have this approach of yes and, yes and, and build on top of ideas, even if 
they, they, they sound crazy or they doesn't sound to you a solution itself. But that's, that's at that stage, you should allow for that to happen. So that's the a divergence phase where you, you build, you, you, you come with no uh, preconception prejudice or, you know, with no bias. Uh, and that's not easy to do because bias are also wired within yourself and sometimes you don't realize that you're biased towards something. So, but this is divergence. Then of course it comes a point where you need to make a decision. You need to make something happen. You need to get things done. So you need to, from this divergence, you need to converge. Now, how can you uh, increase the divergence uh, phase is definitely, you know, it's like uh, in your brain, you have a lot of boxes and you need to fill these boxes you need to expose yourself to a diversity of experiences. Uh, you know, uh, it could be reading books. It could be uh, one thing I always ask my team to do is to block time in the calendar, one hour a week, whatever. I mean, I don't really care, but to reach out to people not in your network and have a conversation with someone that is an uncomfortable conversation for you because uh, I don't know, I wouldn't know anything about biology. But by talking with a biologist, I can learn a lot of things. Uh, but by forcing myself in an uncomfortable con conversation, I'm opening up my mind to learn, mm. uh, traveling, uh, living abroad. Um, I'm not saying everyone should, should live abroad, but you know, it's, it's a number of things that you can do to expose your mind to different, ex different situations, different experiences. This is one, one of the things. And of course, uh, it's not just yourself. So is is doing that also in a team. So. Uh, building, again, psychological safety, collaboration, teamwork, uh, sharing of ideas and situations within the team, like um, uh, off-sites where you can, uh, uh, you know, periodically review challenges and have brainstorming of ideas around those and so on and so forth. This is all divergence. And of course, you need to come to convergence. So if you ask me how, how you, can, you can build that is, well, it's, it starts with awareness that, uh, uh, you know, what are your biases? It, start with, it starts with awareness of uh, what is your current thinking? It started start from awareness, how diverse is your network? How, diverse, how many diverse experiences you are having? If you expose yourself to see many different things and, and open up your mind. And then, and then, of course, also implementing a convergence phase where you can come to make a decision out of that. So you, you really need to make the hard calls because then, it's not about the number of things you collect in terms of there are 100,000 different ideas, is how you allow this creativity to happen to then converge to make a decision saying, hey, I've looked at this problem from different angles. Uh, or it, it should start also from education, honestly. Uh, I've been privileged to attend, the, to, to attend the executive program at the Harvard HPS. And Harvard, what is unique at Harvard is that they use the case study. It's not unique at Harvard because many other universities use the cases, right? But they build the cases. So it's their main product. But the beauty of the faculty in HPS is that they take a case and they could teach the same case from 10 different angles. Because that story that they build with a real character, uh, basically you need to force yourself in the shoes of that character, given the context of that specific situation and make a decision, right? But it's not black or white, it's gray. And what happens in the class is that they are, the faculty is able to provoke a debate where, well, when I did it, I did it when it was an executive. So it was all people with 15 years of experience, most likely in average. So it was people that have been exposed to many different situations in their lives. So the debate was awesome because 
something that you wouldn't have expected or imagined. Someone else had that experience where they were looking at the same thing from their angle, from that angle. So, and in the composition of a class like that, it's amazing because you see that there is diversity of thinking, diversity of experiences. The problem doesn't have one solution only. It's not black or white. You need to accept uncertainty. But then at the end of the day, you end up having a, a conversation around the problem or a situation or a decision from many different angles. And that enriches you because it's not only having a business lens. Today, you need to have an ethical lens. You need to have a legal lens. You need to have a social responsibility lens. So you need to look at, at the same thing from different angles. And you can only do that if you delegate weaknesses of what you are not good at to someone else. So you rely on other people. So you build trust with other people, influence with other people. You know how to manage up, down, side on the side, you know, to manage you know, around you. But also how to build yourself, you investing yourself in opening up your mind, being open to the ideas of others, how you give and receive feedback. All of these things are uh, elements, drivers that can definitely help in what you were asking about how to build more this culture of innovation. Yeah. And I think, uh, first of all, that class sounds super fun. I love those kind of uh, those kind of debates and listening to you talk about it. I've been reflecting and that's kind of, I think, like now that I realize it, it's kind of what I've been having with my whole podcast. You know, I've met people from different backgrounds, uh, different experiences, cu cultures, ages, everything. And all of that has enriched my mind. And coming back to what you were talking about is I think two things are crucial. Number one is awareness of yourself, because if you don't know how you think or what biases you have, those are they're always going to play into your thinking or your decision making or how you come up with like solutions to this problem and number two i think the biggest thing i took away from everything you said is exposure exposure and learning whether it's like you said traveling whether it's that but doesn't necessarily need to be that but just exposure to i think learning and to people and to different ideas because that's how you start to get a new perspective on like you said on this one problem because there's not one solution there's always multiple solutions for that Absolutely. And I think the mindset is a mindset thing is instead of uh, the approach being uh, I know it all, or even if it is not that arrogant, the approach is I know it already. The approach should be, let me learn more from you. Uh, let me hear from you. Um, uh, uh, you know, and, and because learning is lifelong today, I think it's pretty evident, right? So um, it, it, the certificate itself, it's not that it doesn't have value, it does but it's not enough and it doesn't end with a certificate, right? So you should always be learning and, and, and you can learn, uh, you see today how many issues or challenges we have as, as a humanity with the pandemic just, just made some of those more evident, but they were already there, right? So there is a lot of things that we still can learn and every day, you know, by, by talking to other people, by, by being exposed to, you know, some conversations or experiences. So learning is, is lifelong. So, if you are in that mindset, then yes, uh, I mean, you are exposing yourself to situations where um, you can expand, diverge, create ideas, be more creative. Uh, at the same time, we hear a lot talking about authentic leadership uh, and authentic uh, creativity, authentic leadership, authentic creative leadership. Uh, the thing is, if you think about it, even if you are authentic, uh, that's not enough because you can be authentic, but still, you might not have impact or you might not get things done or you might not be achieving, you know, so it's, it, I, I believe it should be, the whole thing should, should have an effective word before that, right? So, or call it whatever you want. I'm not good with acronyms or, or definitions, but it should be effective, right? So authentic, I, I buy into that because uh, I really believe in that value, but it's also 
it should be effective. So it should effectively uh, move people to action, move things, right? So there should be this actionability intrinsic in, in what you do. Otherwise, it's just a, a pure uh, uh, talking, right? And uh, uh, that, that's also the, the key the key difference is people that are able to make things happen, get things done. They have this persistence and resilience to uh, no matter what, to go ahead and, and, and you know, uh, be persistent in, in the journey. Yeah, and I think that's a great point about authenticity is very important, you know, that it's very crucial because that's who you are and that's how you show up in the world. But at the same time, it needs to have that consistency, that persistence in order for it to be effective. And like you said, it all comes back to mindset. Mindset, I think no matter what area of your life, it all comes down to the mindset that you have. And like you said, just because you can have a conversation with someone who's in your field and instead of thinking of, I know it, let's think, okay, we're both in the same field. How does he think, for example, about this particular issue that we both understand, but he might have a different perspective of it. So the mindset really changes everything. And I totally, totally agree with that. Uh, Roberto, I want to be conscious of our time. So I just have two more questions for you. Um, So these are questions that I ask all my guests. So first of all, looking back over your career and everything you've accomplished so far, you know, and everything you've done in your career, or even maybe personally as well, what are you most proud of for yourself? Uh, that's a beautiful question. So I, I tend to, uh, I, I measure the success of what I'm doing through the success of others. So I'm really proud when um, uh, those situations where I've uh, basically, I've been, a, been enabling other people to be successful themselves, uh, which sometimes is just a matter of giving trust to someone uh, because maybe nobody was giving trust and you give trust to the person at the right time and 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 you know the, the person gets the autonomy to execute and to demonstrate uh, the the passion the value the execution uh, sometimes it's, it's really pure uh, you know uh, it's 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 a journey of coaching uh, that person in order to uh, take the most out of out of her but usually the best i i always measure the outcome of success more from uh, the impact on others then uh, the impact that is measured on myself directly, meaning even, even within the organizations is what drives me is more the feedback you get from the ground, from either the clients or partners you work with, from your team, that, you know, they, they, because you see that you're really adding value to someone versus the fake thing of internal performance management where, you know, you have to uh, build these visibility stories within corporations and so on and so forth, which honestly... Uh, it's not really rewarding or it's not something that gives, uh, you know, when you close your eyes and you think about your life, you, you know, the things that you will remember are how people made you feel, right? So when people come back and give a spontaneous feedback, a genuine feedback, that is priceless. That's priceless because it really comes from the heart of the people. It's really true. Uh, and and you relate to that. And, and, and you know, those are the things that... Uh, so for me, if you ask me, is is uh, uh, seeing people succeed uh, 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 and people that I've been contributing in their journey uh, or help them to succeed. So that's the most rewarding thing. Yeah, that uh, that's beautiful, Roberto. I absolutely love that. Um, you know, like you said, individual accolades are great for yourself. But I think one crucial thing is that it doesn't, it's not fulfilling. Like you said, getting that feedback that you might have not expected that or oh, thank you so much you helped me become this or i achieved this thanks to your value is 
you're so fulfilled and it is priceless and it's so heartwarming and i love 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 that mess that, uh, that that's how you see it and for my last question roberto what is the message you'd like everyone to take home with them today wow uh <laughs> Well, um, there are many messages or many, many things we discussed about, right? So yeah. um, if, if, uh, if I would have to take one, my favorite one is, is, um, is always this, this statement that is about, um, uh, you know, uh, one of the uh, uh, biggest regret that people have before dying is uh, that they lived someone else's life. Uh, this, there is this research from Harvard that they, uh, they did across uh, a very significant uh, uh, sample of people, right? So a number of people, and, and they came out with uh, the list of the top regrets that people have uh, before dying. And the, the, the number one is this one, is that people uh, uh, regret that they lived someone else's life and, and, and they have no time left to, you know, change that. So uh, my the message would be uh, you know uh, for for especially for young people in the audience uh, for people not only people that want to start a, a business or a startup but uh, you know even if you end up working in a corporate or you know elsewhere uh, is uh, you know take ownership of uh, who you want to be spend time really take time to to think about your purpose and what you want to do in life before, you know, it's never too late uh, because even if you spend one day towards something, it's, it's still worth it. But uh, uh, take that time because nobody will give you that time. You need to set that time yourself. You need to. So the message is take ownership of that. Take ownership of your time and, and think about your purpose in life and who you want to be. Build a to-be list, not just a to-do list. Uh, because... Um, it might come a point in life where someone asks what is your purpose, purpose and you're not able to write it on a piece of paper, right? Because you have not thought through it and you never took the time. You went into this routine or linear path that you, you have designed by someone else ahead of you. So um, I think this is a key message to, to have uh, people take ownership of, of their life and of their future and be very proactive about building their future. Um, and, and also, uh, when it comes to startups, I wish, you know, founders to uh, really focus on solving real problems, uh, problems that, that people really have and being obsessed about that. Forget about, uh, you know, uh, being the CEO of your startup. You should be focusing on solving real problems and then, uh, you know, let someone else be the CEO of the startups and think about just the growth and scale. But uh, I want to see, uh, especially from this region, a wave of bold entrepreneurs that really uh, are uh, not just uh, uh, copying and paste uh, models that have been proven elsewhere, but they really think through what are the real problems that humanity have and come with new ideas. Uh, and they have the ambition to export from here to the rest of the world uh, technology. So these are the two, two messages uh, top of mind, but we talked about so many things. So definitely, <laughs> uh, you know, it's difficult to, to, to pick up one, but uh, I think this is important to me. Yeah. Uh, I love that uh, message, Roberto. I think it's applicable to everyone, you know, taking ownership of yourself. And I think they love the example that you used about people at the end regret the life that they live someone else's life. And that is something I think regret is the worst thing is something I never want to feel. And I think a lot of people don't want to feel as well. But also, I really like what you said, because sometimes I think people can listen to that statement, take ownership and they think like, I have to create a startup. I have to, you know, be an entrepreneur. And I love that you said that. That's not what I'm talking about. It's about finding your purpose, finding your why. You want to, if you want to do 
build a business, be an entrepreneur, that's great. But if you want to have a corporate, be in a corporate world, work for a company that is maybe has the vision that you have that, that is doing the impact that you want to do is perfectly fine too. And switching from, yeah, and switching from not to do lists, but to, uh, to, to be lists. I think I love that. And I think a lot of people could resonate with that. So Roberto, thank you so much for your time today, for coming on the show. I've loved this conversation. I le- really learned so much from you about startups and perspective and culture and people. And I, I think a lot of people will take, uh, can take a lot from this conversation. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. No, thank you to you, Khaled, for inviting me. Great initiative that you, what you are doing. And I'm sure you expose yourself, as you said, to many different conversations that maybe some of those were uncomfortable. So uh, great job in doing that. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's great. Uh, and uh, looking forward to being in touch um, with yourself, with the audience. Uh, uh, you can reach me out on, on the different channels out there. So happy to be in touch and uh, looking forward to, to make this ecosystem as well stronger altogether. So a uh, lot of work to do. So we are excited about that. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. We'll get there eventually. Guys, uh, to everyone listening, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And as always, hope it helps. Peace.